And welcome back to a special edition of the Got To Be Real podcast. This is Jesse Trevino. I'm here with my two dear colleagues and friends, Steve Abrams. Hello, everybody. Nathan Cowan. Uh, hoi hoi. Guys, it's been a while since we were in studio. Uh, we're one year post-COVID world, and we figured it'd be a good time to catch up with each other. When was our, our last recording? My gosh. Our last episode was that, that was year and a half two years maybe year and a half 2019, 2019 for sure yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah summer 2019 how has your year been what have you been up to mr trevino so my god like so we're what's today march 1st or 3rd one year post mm. the announcement of the world changing for mm-hmm. for everybody mm-hmm. uh staying healthy i mean yeah. first and foremost so uh obviously we're trying to do our best we're wearing masks and especially in our careers super tough to do open houses and showings and stay safe with it. And, yeah. but, uh, everything's good. Like I, I'm excited. Like 2020 was, uh, a lot of things that we had to learn long uh, and long. Yeah. And then 2021 is up and running fast and furious. I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. And Agreed. how about you there? Yeah. Nathan. That was good. I mean, yeah. same, same thing, you know, healthy kids are healthy. Wife's healthy. Uh, but 2020 was terribly long. Yeah. So I'm yeah. definitely. Did you, did you put forward. on the COVID 19 pounds? I did. No, actually, you know, I running is perfect for COVID because you can do it outdoors. You can mm. do it by yourself. And, you know, I mean, the trails were very busy in the summer. So I ended up running on yeah. the streets a lot, but, uh, no, it was, it was good, man. I got a lot of good miles in last year. What do you run? How much are you running right now? Yeah. I'm not running that much. I'm only running like six or seven miles a day. Which so I'm, funny. I'm laughing at that, Steve Abrams, because ask him what race he just signed up to do. What race did I, you just okay. sign up to do? Well, l- there's a story to this. So, uh-huh. um, like two months ago, Jesse came up to me and said, "Hey, man, I got I got a favor to ask." And I said, "Yeah, nope. What is it?" He said, uh, "You know, I, I signed up for this event in Colorado. You know, I want to go, and it's a it's a 50 mile ultra. I want to help the aid stations, right? Help runners, give nutrition, give water." But the only way that I can do it is if a buddy runs in the race. So would you would you run? I was like, you know what? I don't really want to. But <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> but I'll do it. Right, right. Uh, so, yeah, I signed up for a 50-mile trail race. <laughs> Jesse's going to go. Uh, he's going to help I, me with— I did commit to be your Sherpa. Yep, he's going to help me. So if people don't know, that means I'll carry water. And, and how—it's how long? It's a 50-mile trail run. So it's right outside Fort Collins. And um, how long? In Colorado. Will yeah. that— well, Who so, knows? Who yeah, knows? I mean, all day. How long does it take to drive fifty miles? <laughs> well, I, it's <laughs> like not, you know, it's it's through the mountains. It's gonna a lot of walking is gonna. It's a mile occur. high too, yeah. so uh, oh. it's not all running. I am excited about you doing it. It's gonna be a lot of fun, man. I'm. I'm it's more about the adventure than anything. Are you, you gonna know? bring oxygen? I'm, I'm not. I'm <laughs> no, totally no, no. serious. No, but I did start looking into. The, you know, they make masks that kind of yeah. restrict airflow. So right. I've been looking into maybe buying one of those to help me train. Oh, oh. just. Because I am, I am a little concerned about the altitude, uh, but yeah, but no, Jesse's going to go and he's going to bring all sorts of fun things. We're gonna we're gonna have fun. It'll wow. be a good weekend. And when is this? This is the first week of May. Yeah, when is it? Yeah, oh. first week of May. Yeah, yeah. So that'll oh, be good. That's cool. Yeah, but uh, good for you. But I took you know a month and a half off just because of the ice and the snow. So yeah, what's mm-hmm. new with you, man? How you been? I've been good. I've been good. It's been you know um, it feel you know I've been saying. All year, it's like it's still March, but now it's March, and it's been a. It feels like it's been March for a year. Um, I, uh, um, for those people listening, I left. Uh, we we all used to work at the same brokerage, Century Twenty One SGR West Loop and South Loop, and I left that brokerage, and I'm with EXP Realty, which is 
a really cool virtual digital cloud-based brokerage. We don't have any brick and mortar offices. Yeah, it's really cool. And we have a whole amazing technology platform and we create avatars of ourselves, and we go to rooms and it's great. Um, And it's um, an amazing uh, piece of technology and it's really been great. My business has been great, but I miss you because I'm not- I'm not, we're not all in the same office anymore. I know, I know. We're not on the same Zooms either. Like, you know, 2020, we couldn't really hang out and yeah. even now, right? But like, we've been Zooming like crazy and you're not on any of those. So, no. so. Yeah, but you, you're you really taking to that company though, right? I mean, you're yeah. mentoring and you're really involved in what's going on. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, um, I think we all have had quite, everybody has had quite the 2020 and quite the year. And um, I'm trying to reorient myself with 2020 was the best year ever. Like, what did we learn? What did I get out of it? And I think um, when starting to look back on it, um, I really dove into my business um, and my training. And we have, the brokerage that I'm with has tremendous classes online and they're live classes. And I think out of necessity and out of uh, the, you know, daytime television being what it is, I jumped into training and classes and moved uh, so far through it all and became a certified mentor and have, and you know, the best way to, I think, improve oneself is to teach. You end up learning more maybe mm-hmm. than your students. Right. And uh, it, it has really been completely evident. My, my real estate business has gone up over, 300% from the year before. That's amazing. And a banner year. And 2021 is looking the same way. Um, it's actually looking even that I'm, uh, I could be on track to double what I did in 2020. I mean, just Look at remarkable. You. And uh, it's been great. It's been great. But, you know, it takes me out of, um, Day, out of the daily, hood, out of, out of the daily, West Loop. Yeah. yeah. I mean, out of the West Loop and, yeah. you know, down downtown, I'm not down as much. I mean, certainly you know, on showings and with business, but right. just not physically there. So, I mean, give me the gossip. What's going on in the West Loop? What have I missed? Man, I mean, there's a lot going on, right? I could say so much right now. <laughs> yeah. no, go ahead. No one's listening. Yeah. No one's on. No, yeah. Yeah, no one's just listening. Us. Uh, no, I mean, it's been great. I mean, the, the office has definitely picked up a lot of new agents, which is good to see. I mean, you know, everything that went on last year, you just have no idea what to expect. You don't know what the year is going to end up looking like. Um, and certainly the beginning of the year was rough, but things turned around and it, it, it ended up being a really great year, not just in, you know, real estate numbers with new clients and, and new deals and mm. larger deals, but new agents in the office. And mm-hmm. so it, yeah, all around, it ended up way better than I thought it would. Definitely a trend where 2020, because of the workforce, either, you know, you either got laid off or you mm-hmm. didn't, but it was a mm-hmm. year where people started reassessing do I want to continue doing the kind of job I, I, I'm doing now? All that to say that there was a lot of people that got their licenses to become real estate agents. Right. So I, I don't know what the percentage was, but we, our offices definitely saw a bump. We probably added 20 new agents yeah. um, within probably the last half of 2020. And it's usually half of that. So why do you think, uh, I mean, that's certainly the, you know, the, the, the amount of licenses and the amount of people that have taken real estate um, has you know, there's data to support that it's been a huge year and probably more to come. I attribute that partly to 
um, you know, people having a, a professional transition, mm -hmm. they, you know, their work has been, you know, changed. Um, do you, w what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that that's why, or do you think it's because they want to get on get in on this amazing market? I think it's a, exactly what you said. Plus, you know, we're in a zoom sort of world nowadays. So, you, you know, classes are, when you and I, and the three of us took classes, we had a show up to the class, right? So if you're working a full-time job or if you have children at home and it's tough for you to get to the classes, that was a thing. Now it's not really like that because everything is online. So all you need is a laptop, the commitment to take all the online courses and you can get a license. So I, I think the ease of, of, of being able to do that is is really another thing that drove people to, 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 to do it. What do you think it would be like for, I mean, we're seasoned. We've been I think, I mean, Nathan, you're probably the most. You've had your seasoned. license the longest I'm the elder. out of the three of us, right? I mean, what, yeah, when did uh, you? 2015. Yeah. 2014. Okay, so about the same time yeah, yeah. for mm -hmm. us. And you were 20, shortly 20, right, yeah, right there. A couple months later. But I mean, so if think about what it would be like to be a, a someone just getting their license during 2020 and starting on their real estate career, what, what, what do you think that would be like? Or, or tell me, from people that are in your office, these new agents that you said have joined, what what has it been like for them, and how how would you give them advice to navigate? I I think it's very similar. I mean, it sounds weird saying that, but when we started, the market was on its way up. There was a lot of excitement because prices were were growing. Mm -hmm. um, it was kind of this you know mark where every neighborhood was looking. Are they pre two thousand eight numbers? Like people are you know getting to that limit. Um, there was just a lot of buzz and a lot of buying, a lot of, I mean, it was a very active mm. market. It's still a really active market. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I said earlier, despite everything that happened yes or last year, uh, the, the year ended up being really busy. Yeah. So yeah. I, it's very similar. Again, as odd as that is to say, right. there's a lot of business being done. There are a lot of people looking to buy and sell. Right. There's a lot of opportunity for, for new agents and for existing agents. How have you both or each of you, um, separately, um, pivoted your over 2020. What have you, what have you learned? What have you learned from 2020? If anything that was attributed to all of the events of 2020, um, you know, with with equity, with unrest, with uh, the economy and the elections, and certainly the global pandemonium, the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, what would you just do? Yeah. <laughs> that's a big question. I'll, no, I'll jump in really quickly. And it kind of goes back to you, Nate, talking about how busy 2020 was. Yeah. We were we were just chatting about the stats. Like year over year, the city always sells around 30,000-ish you know, residential units, mm -hmm. homes and condos. So uh, last year was a flat 30,000, where 2019 was just, just around 31,000. So in the year of COVID where a lot of things went really wrong and people were uncomfortable, we nearly sold the same amount of units as we did in 2019. And for, for me, families looking for more space was a game changer. Um, and not only that, but like in a year of COVID where there's so much uncertainty with jobs and, and that type of security health issues, people still have the need to mm -hmm. move. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's school districts or expanding your family or your leases up and you, you need to renew, a, a lot of people still need to move regardless of what the market climate mm. sort of looks like. That's, that, that was my yeah. biggest takeaway from it. Yeah. Um, I mean, the home, you know, certainly people have been spending a lot more, if not all their time in their home. And I know for myself, it's like, oh, 
I have to fix this. Right. And, <laughs> oh, I can't believe I've lived with this. And yeah, I, yeah. how long has that been like that? <laughs> so there's the home improvement. And there's also the kind of being tired of the same environment. But then there's also the pivoting of having to have a good, comfortable workspace and retrofitting certain things to make them a home office or a home workspace or whatever. Right. I mean, what do you think, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk of people leaving Chicago and going to the suburbs. I, I, in my business, I've seen almost the opposite. I have clients that are moving from the suburbs Mm. downtown. I, I think this goes back to what I just, I mean, it's the same. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. It's, it's right. just busy. It's right. you're, you're always going to have people move. Right. I do know a few people last summer that that kind of, I don't want to say jumped the gun, but they were very up, worried about what was going on in the city. Yeah, mm-hmm. COVID was obviously full scale, so they were worried about that. They bought homes in the suburbs, and within a couple of months, they're like, "Yeah, you know, we don't really like the suburbs. We're city people," mm. and and they're trying to get back. You're always going to have people go back and forth. Right. I think your point earlier or that you just made about um, uh, home improvements, mm. I mean, that was a huge right. – yeah. I mean, I spent yeah. – I, I, I have a third-floor attic space that was all <laughs> rafters, and you guys are laughing because right. I've been sending you pictures right. for like the last Every six Zoom months. Every Zoom meeting we've had, he would, he would be doing it in, in, in the attic. Yeah, and there would be like <laughs> one more piece of drywall up. But, I mean, I was going to Home Depot and Lowe's every week picking up part or materials, and I was finishing my attic. My attic's almost completely finished now. Mm-hmm. So it was great. I got to kill time because I was stuck at home. I increased the value of my home by a large amount. And I think a lot of people did that. And the great thing about that is, you know, the numbers are showing that there's a ton of equity in homes right now. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, last month uh, or last week, pardon me, the Fed released numbers. We just hit $10 trillion in mortgage debt in the U.S. Total record. I mean, we've never hit mm. $10 trillion. But over half of that is equitable. Mm. Is that uh, a good the, thing? Ten. That well, sounds... It sounds scary, right? Terrible. It sounds absolutely <laughs> crazy. Yeah, I mean, you know, it sounds scary, but I, I don't think it is. It's not like 2008, right? If you look, if you look at 2008 numbers, people were refinancing left and right. I mean, I think in 2006 there was something like 320 billion dollars in refinance mm-hmm. loans. Last year we were at 140 billion, so not even half. You know, people are more responsible, right. and you know, there's almost 60 percent of those of, of home values mm. uh, within the 130 something million homes. Mm-hmm. Almost 60 percent of those values are in equity mm-hmm. to the homeowner. Yeah. So there's a lot yeah. of really responsible homeowners out there paying down their mortgages, building up a nest egg, and probably pulling some money yeah. out to redo right. or refinish uh, their home. So what do you? So I mean, you you live in a large house in in the burbs for people that are urban dwellers um particularly maybe in like in your neighborhood you know in your areas the west loop i mean i know you're all over the city but what are you seeing any um any change in in condominium sizes are are you seeing anything there for sure so a a couple points there so a lot of people are starting to uh, request a bonus bedroom they're calling it the Zoom room, right? So you get to work oh, from home or e-learn. They're, they're, well, they are not. They are you not are. calling My it clients that. are you calling just, it, I need a Zoom room, Jesse. Oh. You're, I've never heard need, that in my life. I need two beds. I don't want the den. I need <laughs> the Zoom room. And and so that's the thing. And just made that up. Coined by Jesse Trevino. <laughs> so right. obviously looking for more space because if we're going to be stuck in our places again or, you know, we, we don't know the unknown, right? Um, they're asking for that bonus room that they didn't think they needed before. They're also, I've got a bunch of clients out like in Hyde Park, Bronzeville, now kind of mm-hmm. leaning towards separate living dining spaces again. 
versus this whole open floor plan, right? So if you have multiple people on laptops in the living room, in the dining room, in the kitchen, mm -hmm. there's no walls and there's mm -hmm. no sound, you know, there's too much sound going on. There's yeah, nothing. The yeah, so that's been interesting because I've been doing a lot of deals again in Hyde Park and a lot of those places are separate living dining and those are selling like mm -hmm. in two or three days once they hit the market. Here's an interesting idea for for people that are living in uh, with more than one person in, in in a space that is an open plan, why doesn't someone come up with like sort of cool cubicle-y privacy little- You should do it. I think you just did. Yeah. 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 You do it. You Good just job, built, you built your whole Attica. Why don't you do that? <laughs> it took me six months. I have a theory on this whole open floor plan thing too. I think developers oh. came up with open floor plan a decade or two decades ago to save costs because sure. they, don't, they don't have to put up any more walls and mm. to finish the product sooner than later. Mm -hmm. And then this whole thing became, oh, I want open floor plan. Right. I want open floor. I'm not, I there's, uh, people love it and I'm not yeah. hating on it, but like I get now separate living, separate dining, two living spaces that you mm -hmm. can just turn into whatever you want. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually, I like the open floor plan, but I do, I mean, I get what you're saying. If you're working from home and you don't have two offices, you need separation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You need some kind of a wall, some kind of a door. I mean, and that's the other thing, you know, last year, before last year, you know, maybe 50% of your buyers were like, yeah, I'd like to have an office. You know, it'd be nice if I could work from home at night. And then it, you know, very quickly became, I need right. at least one office, need is the word. maybe Correct. two right. offices. Right. And that totally changed, yeah. especially in a place like the West Loop, where typically your, your two bedroom homes are like 1500 square feet. Yeah. Where are you going to put two bedrooms and two offices, right? You like, that's got to change. Mm -hmm. So we've been seeing some of that. I mean, you know, Jesse and I were looking at, there's a new building called Embry, um, which is you know high-end luxury build it hasn't been announced yet but uh a very mm -hmm. interesting obvious point to that is their two bedrooms are 1900 square feet mm -hmm. which is not Whoa. typically normal right it's not something you find because a two-bedroom in the west loop 1500 square feet is maybe yeah, like 12, yeah, 13, 12 yeah. Like yeah i see 13, a lot of 12 12 50 right mm -hmm. and i mean you're when you go up to 1900 square feet you're gonna lower the, the number of total units right but they're seeing something in the data that's showing them. So that where are they? Re where is that extra square footage, or just the room size? Everything is just bigger. Everything is bigger. The bedrooms are bigger. Plus, there's a den slash right. office ah, that they're building into yeah. it, so they're separating it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's it's just people need more living space. They mm -hmm. need outdoor space too. I mean, you know, small seven by ten balconies not cutting it anymore. Right. So. We're definitely seeing anything that's on the top floor with any kind of roof space, mm. or if you're a duplex down and you've got you know roof rights over the garage, those those mm -hmm. units are flying. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I agree. I think that's going to be a trend moving forward. Like the Emory, the Emory is beautiful. Um, it's in the West Loop. If if no one caught that earlier, but I think a lot of families or people with no kids, they don't you know they don't need a third bedroom. But having a space like what we just chatted about, an ensuite where there's a den, so you could have a dedicated office, and then the bedrooms being larger, you could easily accommodate a desk in one side of the bedroom. So I think it's going to be a trend. We're going to see that a lot where we'll see 1,800, 1,900, even 2,000 square feet for two beds mm. in a den. Wow. And the Embry is where? I know it's West Loop, but where? It's in the West Loop, Steve. Do you know where the West Loop is? No, I know that, but like, where, where, where in the West Loop? <laughs> he, for, he forgot after we where, where's the West Loop? He's, he's already gone. It's on. Where, uh, no, where it's on. It's on May Street. Okay, in between Washington and Madison. Oh, yeah. So right. it's it's right it's right by our it's like a block away from yeah, our office, right. which is on Madison Racine. Right. It's right there. Hmm. So it's right next to the Hayden. 
Yep. If anyone knows where that is. Is it the same builder? It is the same, same developer, builder. Same people. Uh, not the same builder, but same developer. Mm-hmm. The same development team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it'll it'll be okay. the same quality project. They haven't announced it yet. Uh, obviously, if anyone listening to this is interested, please yeah. reach out to us directly because yeah, exactly. they have not announced it. Um, but it's it, that's going to be a building that's mm-hmm. going to fly. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a tall one, too. So. And they haven't started... Oh, they they're, they're not going to break ground until yeah. summer, I think. Right, yeah. right. It won't deliver till 2022 summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. But just a good example of yeah. trends. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, sure. and I've, I just, I got a place that's under contract that, that is actually a rare 1900 square foot two bedroom nice. clients of mine. And when they bought it, I, I told them, I'm like, you're not going to find anything this big. And when we started marketing it, yeah. you know, we, we marketed it as a large two bedroom and people were coming in like, yeah, eh, I need a little yeah. more space for a two bedroom. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing uh, with my clients, um, particularly recently, um, there's a movement of going back, uh, not going back, but but looking at these great lakefront vintage, mm-hmm. palatial, pre-war, mm-hmm. classic, you know, solid floor, just the old, you know, the vintage, but retro, but redoing them, but right. rehabbing the inside, but maintaining all of those large rooms, high ceilings. High ceilings is a great way to really feel mm. like you've got more square footage right, when right. really you don't. It's an illusion. I mean, it does feel it though. Right. And uh, I'm seeing a lot of that. Are you seeing that? that S- there same. seems to be interest. Yeah. In, in fact, you and I were just talking about uh, the Gold Coast. So there's a building at 210 East Pearson that you and yes, I were, were chatting about. Yeah. I just closed uh, a three bed, two bath there. S- same exact thing where the, I mean, it was probably 2,400 square, mm-hmm. really large. Yeah. I think this building was built in 1935. So vintage qualities with like modern living. Um, but the spaces are ginormous, mm. big windows. So mm-hmm. exactly to your point, like mm-hmm. that kind of is on par with the Embry and other things that we're seeing in terms of 1,900, 2,000 square feet plus. I'm happy about that. Yeah. I hate walking into those, t- those small, I do too. you know, yeah. I, I get it. It's, it's what worked. It's, you know, it was kind of the trend for a while, but yeah. it's just so when you walk into a two bedroom and the bedrooms are like 10 by 10, right. mm-hmm. it just, it sucks. I know. I don't like it. Yeah. And, and I don't I, think people like it anymore. There's such a huge amount of those modern boxes, mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. are, that, uh, you know, are gray mm-hmm. and, you know, right, are, right. that have that sort of, that vibe of maybe five years ago. And, uh, I think that I, I think we're gonna I think we're gonna see a real um, interest in in vintage in these big vintage, you know. I think so too. Yeah, I think so too. You know yeah. what? Uh, something else that happened to me in 2020 for my business was there was a lot of first time home buyers looking for one bed condos, mm-hmm. and so I think you mm-hmm. know leases were up. And a lot of these people live in like super high rises where like there's the density is super high. And you don't want to ride the elevators with a lot of people. Plus, you know, the interest rates, interest rates being historically low. A lot of folks figured out like, yeah. oh my gosh, my, my mortgage will be cheaper than my rent That's and right. I can buy something. Yeah. So su- super excited about yeah. that happening and people becoming homeowners for the yeah. first time. You know, I wanted to um, bring up, I know that we all have experienced that the market with it being so crazy. And, you know, if we look at, the last year and essentially things were really shut down. We were on major lockdown Mm -hmm. the first part of uh, the pandemic, March and April, which are typically, you know, the, the kickoff to the spring market. And that's usually in Chicago is a very busy time. Um, And we were essentially locked down that it sort of squished and compressed a busy summer with, with that. And it carried into the fall. Obviously we've all experienced the highly competitive market, 
the um, the great properties get sold within a matter of hours. Uh, hugely competitive, multiple offers. What what strategies? Um, what have you? What tell me, Nathan, about like an experience or anything with multiple offers or strategies? Or, yeah, actually. This is perfect. I just I just won an, a multiple bid situation. Look and at I, you. I did not. Did you set him not, up? I did not know I, I know that. we did not. I did not know I, that. I know, I know. I was wondering why you were blushing over well, there. Well, I know. Like, you looked at me and I'm this like, is this is a perfect this question too, for me. Too, well, and it's funny too because I did it using what we call an escalation clause with Jess, Jesse and I have talked about. Oh, and yeah. We kind of like, you know, one day we badmouth it and then the next day we're like, we love it. <laughs> So anyway, um, yeah, so I have clients in the in the suburbs and we came in, saw a place, loved it, called the agent and said, hey, we're probably going to put an offer in. you have anything in hand? She did. She actually had two offers in hand. So at that point, um, I used, you know, I talked to my clients and we mm-hmm. ended up using what's called an escalation clause. Right. And what that is, is it's a document that says, hey, we're going to offer in this example, we'll just say $100,000, for example. Um, and if someone else beats our $100,000 offer, this document authorizes you to beat their offer by $1,000 up to a certain limit, right. right? So it's a way to counter someone else without mm-hmm. knowing what they offered. And it's perfect in this situation because, you know, sometimes you can get a feel, you know, sometimes agents will call for what's, you know, called highest and best. And you can get a feel if you're in the lead or if you're close. Uh, this is just an insurance policy. Mm-hmm. So we ended up winning out. It was it was great. Um, the sellers liked the aggressive stance that we took, showed that we you know really wanted the property, um, and they ended up going with our offer. And you know we didn't have to pay as much as my clients wanted mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. Um, so it, it worked mm-hmm. out well. But I think you know again, Jesse and I have talked about this. Is it's almost like cheating using an escalation clause, but it's really the best tool that you have if you're Absolutely. in a multiple bid situation. I've used. I mean, now they are almost. I don't want to give all of our secrets away. I know. I feel like I should have said it. Completely. I know. Yeah. I know. Now, but no. I mean, re- really. But there, but you know, in evaluating in, in a multiple offer situation, it's not just price. It is the lender. It is down payment money. It is closing date. It is so you know maybe inspection contingency wave waving and there's a whole bunch of stuff and it's also. It's also a vibe between mm-hmm. the brokers and between the seller. And, you know, certainly um, there are, I think people are really looking at the entire offer right. as opposed All to the pieces, as opposed to just mm-hmm. what's going to be the best price. You mentioned lender. That, that's key for me too. Yeah. So I love the escalation clause because I, I use it a ton now successfully and it works out great. But giving the seller, if you're a buyer, giving the seller peace of mind that, if they accept your offer that you are going in good faith to close on time mm-hmm. and having a good lender is key. Cause I know, I know a lot of people are going online to get like some of these online bank pre-approvals and such. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. But when I, when I, as a seller's agent get a pre-approval from a, a lender in the city, you know, some of the big box places, it gives me more peace of mind from a seller agent perspective that they're well qualified. They're definitely prepared to close on time. And so all of that is just kind of going back to your point, Steve, mm. about it's just not price. You need to have all these components in place because we we are having a multiple bid sort of season coming. Oh, it's going crazy. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to get worse moving into the summer. And that's a good – if you're buying, that's a really good thing to be aware of is who is your lender. Because, I mean, I mean that's mm-hmm. – and that's one thing about us. You know, we like to be references, right? We have a toolbox of professionals that we use. 
And we use them for a reason. I mean, mm -hmm. I've I've worked with lenders who have dropped the ball and killed deals. Yep. Right. Yep. I will never let my clients use no. those people right. ever again. And I've had people. I I currently work with lenders who will do anything to get that deal closed. That's right. That's really valuable. I just uh, um, I'm in final stages of escrow. We're closing in about a week and a half, and we got we it was a very a, it was a very competitive situation. Um, it was one of those beautiful high rise, not a high rise, mid rise, um, lakefront vintage, mm. but just gorgeous. And, um, we came in with escalation. We did, we had all of these different things, mm -hmm. but, uh, we got the, uh, we, we got the deal and it was exclusively because of our lender and the, really? the seller it. and the seller's team said, when we saw the lender, we know that that lender will get this closed. We know that that, without a doubt, yeah, no problem. And that's you know that lender is my on my team, mm -hmm. and right. um, like you just said, with our toolkit, mm -hmm. with we bring we bring a group of seasoned professionals that will absolutely that it's you know everybody's working toward this towards the same goal, mm -hmm. both sides of the deal. Everyone is trying to you know make this deal close, and oftentimes. Uh, you know, uh, you are the weakest link. There right. could be a weak link in the team, right? And and a lot of deals. And it, um, you know, it's really important to for have, sure. Yeah, have a well-oiled machine for sure. Well-oiled. <laughs> that toolbox also includes guys, inspectors, oh, contractors, shoot. painters, yeah. floor yeah. guys. Yeah, I it's, mean, it's, yeah, you have to have all that on the ready because, you know, again, like I'm coaching all my buyers that were on the fence in 2020, now they have to move. Plus you have everybody that was planning to make a move right. in 2021. It's gonna be fast and furious. So mm -hmm. have your inspectors ready. If you're going to do some TLC at a place, yep. have their painter on, yep. on, on standby. Yep. And again, to your point, Steve, I mean, we, we have a, a, a thick Rolodex of all of these contacts for, for people. So if you need any help, let us know. Great, okay. I think we've talked enough. Have we? Have we? I feel like we have. Is there anything else we wanna talk about? I actually, oh, I do have Nathan. a question. Oh, I do okay. have a question. Okay. Yes. Do you think this year, 2021, yeah. is going to be better or next year is going to be better? I mean, 20, like calendar for real, for real estate. Mm. Or in general. I mean, I feel wow. like this year is going to go off the hook in like personal yeah. areas. Oh, that's. But do you think 2021 is going to be better or 2022 for real estate? I'm going to jump in and say this year. He wasn't asking yeah. you. Yeah, I know. He, he, was, <laughs> I, he was eyeballing you, but I know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in the middle, that so was... I'm coming in with an answer. Okay, uh, why? Because the rates are where they're at now, right? Because everybody, mm -hmm. you, we get phone calls about, should I wait till, till summer to yeah. buy? Do I, like, don't wait. It's almost, you know, if you're rolling the dice to see if the rates go back down, they're already affordably low. Get in there this year because you don't know what 2022, 2023 will bring. I'm sure they won't skyrocket back they, up. They right? did just tick up though. They mm. did, you know, with, with three eighths of a point or something. Yeah. So, right. So you, you can afford more house today at the rates now that we know they're known. We don't know what 2022 would look like. I, I, I think it'll be, again, a strong 2022 year, but I'm really excited yeah. about this summer in particular. Yeah. I mean, you know, Looking up, looking deep into both of your eyes, we only have right now. Oh we don't have the past. We, is, need, we need to get GoPro cameras. So me, I'm, I'm we, we can I'm see Steve's eyes staring at us. I'm speaking. Okay, yes, sir. We don't have the future. Yeah, we have now. We have today, and this is it. So there's yep. no better time to buy or sell. <laughs> right, right. 
I think especially selling. Uh, but I, I, in all seriousness, yeah. I mean that. I mean, right, right. we don't know. I mean, to your point, interest rates could go, could skyrocket. The right. economy could go gangbusters and right. they start, you know, creeping up. Prices could, who knows? There could be anything. So, mm-hmm. and if you're and if you're a seller, I think it's it's just as important to keep an eye on yeah. the interest rates as a buyer. Right. Because if your interest rates go up, you're losing the number of buyers mm-hmm, out right. there. I mm-hmm. mean, it's just as important. So, plus you're going to get less of an offer if someone has to pay more for that loan. They're not going to give you as mm-hmm, much money. Right. So if you're, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I was, I yeah. mean, even, even like two weeks ago, I was thinking, you know, if you buy this year or sell this year, that's great. Next year will probably be okay too. Yeah. But I, interest rates are starting to tick up, and it, that, you know, I think it's going to go up. Right? Yeah. And I, I don't. It's not going to go up a lot. Right. But and look, that's half a point. You know, half ultimately, that's you know, that's a good thing for the economy. That's that's good for right for you know commerce. Right. I mean, you know the balance. The, yeah, I mean, it's you know we've we've talked about this in previous episodes about normalizing the mar- The market oh, yeah. is normalizing, and that's what it is. You know, I mean, the interest rates were so low to do to create the environment to be able to raise things right. again, to get things going again. And, and, and that's an uptick. It's a, it looks like that's what's happening. I agree. So, and Bitcoin's going up. And what? Bitcoin's going up. Oh, Nathan's okay. a big, uh, yeah, digital currency guy. I'm, yeah. I'm getting Jesse. He's trying it. to, yeah, he is getting me excited. Every morning yeah. he sends me a new link via text to say, drink, you know, eat this with your coffee. And, yeah. Right. So Drink uh, the Kool-Aid. Have you bought, you have Bitcoin? Oh, yeah. Yeah? yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll when can, when can we I'm buy- I'm a secret billionaire. Mm. When is it going to be real for us to buy real estate with you, you Bitcoin? Can only, you can already do it. I think they sold. Yeah. I think a first property in the U.S. sold it with Bitcoin like three years ago. Okay, so you can do it. Hmm. He knows so much, Steve. I don't know anything. It's impressive. <laughs> Just wait. I'm going to come in one day crying because I lost all my money. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, uh, in closing, where? How can people reach you, Jesse? What's your website? So it's uh, what is my website? It's powersgroupchicago.com. And uh, look us up on our Facebook page. You'll be able to find my phone number, all our phone numbers and emails on there as well. What is your phone number? 312-576-4696. That was Jesse Trevino. Nathan, where do we find you? Same website, mm-hmm. uh, powersgroupchicago.com. My number is 312-292-1419. Or you can go. follow me on, uh, mm. am I on Instagram? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. Um, do, you have, do you have a MySpace account still? I Friendster? Maybe, Friendster. maybe. I don't remember. <laughs> Uh, I'm yeah. So look me up on uh, the real Cowan. The real Cowan. The real Cowan. C O W A N. Yeah, yeah. Get on there. Very good. See my I, attic. I am everywhere. I am broker shy town. I like it on Facebook on on Instagram. Um, that's my website. Phone number is seven seven three four five eight three three eight eight. I am gonna rest my voice now. Get a straw. And, Let's get, and get some a, and hum vocal. through a straw. That's another. <laughs> That sounds. That's the next episode, <laughs> right? Well, thank you so much. Great to see you. Yeah, good and seeing you guys. To see you soon. Yeah, love you. Take care. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. And again, you can find all of us, my co-hosts Nathan Cowan, Jesse Trevino, and me, Steve Abrams, through our Got to Be Real Facebook page. And Got to Be Real is recorded live at Mystery Street Recording Company in the heart of Lakeview of Chicago and is your best guide and conversation starter for all things Chicago with a little real estate thrown in. Got to Be Real is produced by its hosts, us, Nathan Cowan, Jesse Gervinio, and Steve Abrams. And we are all licensed realtors at Century 21 SGR in Chicago's West Loop. We can be reached at Got to Be Real podcast on Facebook. Please send us your suggestions, comments, questions, and ideas for upcoming topics for shows, and let us know if you'd like to be featured on an episode as well. 
Be sure to tell your friends about the podcast. And again, thanks for listening. And of course, if you are looking to buy or sell some property, be sure to contact us at Got To Be Real Podcast on Facebook. 